It's poverty. It's crime. Unemployment. Corruption. Accountability. The energy crisis. Inflation. We are worried. That South Africa has myriad problems on all fronts is a given. But the time has come for us to look for real solutions. I'm Jeremy Maggs, and this MoneyWeb podcast will discuss those solutions on how South Africans can solve problems by having tough conversations and drawing on the insights of South Africa's top business leaders. Welcome to Fix SA. Welcome to Fix SA, the podcast here on MoneyWeb, where we try to delve deep into solutions that could help rebuild and rejuvenate the country. I'm Jeremy Maggs, and fortnightly we engage with experts, thought leaders, and changemakers who can offer meaningful insights into overcoming the myriad challenges that we face as a nation. On this edition, the Chief Executive Officer of Good Governance Africa. His name is Chris Maroleng. Chris's work extends from promoting transparency, equity, inclusivity and governance practices to helping create policies that can bring about real change on the African continent. And why are we talking to him about fixing South Africa? Well, let me suggest that in a country as diverse and as complex as ours, governance plays a crucial role. It can set the course for economic recovery, social equity, and environmental sustainability. It shapes the way that resources are allocated, influences public policies, and determines the quality of services that citizens receive. Good governance is therefore not just important, but it's essential for a prosperous, inclusive, and sustainable South Africa. So with that, Chris Marleng, a very warm welcome. And maybe let's start with this. Where does good governance fit into the context when it comes to rebuilding this country? It's great to be on your program, Jeremy, and thank you for the invitation. Well, when we talk of governance, in a nutshell, we say simply at Good Governance Africa that governance is about who gets what, when, and how. And the purpose why Good Governance Africa exists is to ensure that we push for policies that uh, enhance accountability, transparency, but more importantly, are focused on the citizen and in the interest of the citizen. So when we talk about how to fix South Africa, this really is at the core of uh, that question on who gets what, when and how, and ensuring that the processes and the systems that determine this are ultimately shaped towards the citizen. Chris, I would suggest that we probably have good policies in place, but we're not particularly good at adhering to those processes and systems that you outline. I suspect that you might agree with me. So where do you think the deficiency is? I think the deficiency is in the inability of the state uh, to deliver and that is to deliver services to the citizen in an effective way. It really talks to the capability and the capacity of the state to implement those policies. And ultimately, Jeremy, what we've seen over the past few decades here in South Africa is a state that lacks the capacity to implement in the interest of the citizen. This leads to popular frustration. And ultimately, I think... It leads to a a situation where citizens feel detached from the system of governance and ultimately from their state. Chris, that word capacity can be very academic sometimes. In your world, what does it mean and how does it really impact people's lives in this country? When you look at the state, particularly at the locus of governance that most people interact with, which would be at municipal level, 
we see a state ultimately that fails to deliver basic services. For example, we've seen a decline in our road infrastructure, in the ability of municipalities really to um, deliver services, for example, um, like electricity and other basic utilities, water and other things in a way that is both reliable and effective. And basic services like, say, the delivering or collection of refuse are, are instances that really affect uh, the lifestyles and livelihoods of people at that local level of governance. So when we say capacity, it's really the basic uh, ability of the state to deliver these services. So those are the issues as far as capacity is concerned. How does better governance improve capacity? So we argue that if we have systems in place that ultimately enhance greater transparency and accountability within this governance system, it has the propensity to ensure that in all of the policies and in the implementation of the policies, at the heart of it, the citizen and delivering these services is what drives and really is the focus of the state. So what constitutes better transparency and accountability, do you think? I think what constitutes better transparency and accountability is in the ability of citizens to hold their governments to account. What we're seeing in South Africa increasingly is a sense of government or governance that is detached from the people, but also is not accountable to the people. This leads to frustrations and people feeling that the only way that they can get the attention of the state is to protest. And I think this sense of engagement with the state really is a a negative system of governance. We would like to see a system of governance where ultimately the citizen, through existing institutions, existing processes, know that when they would like to hold their leaders to account. They have the power and the means to do so. Why do you think we've lost that ability to engage effectively? I think it's really because the state in and of itself has become disinterested in the citizen. What we are seeing really is the establishment of systems by political and sometimes commercial elites that ultimately are interested in extracting rents or value for themselves and not really interested in the citizen. This leads to deficiencies in delivery that I've spoken about and ultimately to the incapacity of the state. Very often we describe this as an inept system of governance where ultimately it is really extractive and it is characterized by systems of patronage that benefit this political elite. Chris, it leads to deficiency, as you rightly say, but because of that deficiency, it also leads to despondency. And often mm. that despondency is manifested in, in inertia. In other words, uh, citizens have had enough. They're too exhausted. They're tired. In many cases, have just given up. In many cases, they've just given up, Jeremy. But I argue that we can't afford to give up. I argue also that it is very important that citizens not only realize that they are empowered by the rules of the game in determining who gets what, when and how, but ultimately must place greater value in their vote, in the governments that they put into place, and more importantly, must be 
really engaged in holding these leaders to account. I think over the past few years since the transition to democracy is that we've taken it for granted that the government in and of itself will act in the interest of the citizen. We're increasingly discovering that in many ways, the governments that we have in place at local level and also at a national level are really interested in themselves. So your argument is predicated then, Chris, on articulating the importance and the value of the ballot box. We all know that in recent years, turnout polls have been weak, particularly among young South Africans who are arguably the most disaffected. So I'm wondering then if that's the solution and there's no reason to believe that it isn't. How do you spur people into more civic action and urge them, encourage them to exercise uh, the democratic uh, right that has been so hard fought for? I think the problem arises in the fact that many citizens in South Africa have lost faith in their institutions, and those are key governance institutions. And as a result, they believe that their vote and the agency that they have through the ballot box really doesn't count for much in the bigger scheme of things. And that is really because they have experienced in many ways governance that is self-serving and simply in the interest of the political parties and does not demonstrate an interest in the citizen. And that is why you see this phenomena where many youth really don't believe that their vote counts and don't believe that the system of governance is instituted in their interest. I think we need uh, to really, through a process of civic virtue, but also educating citizens about their rights and how to hold their so-called political leaders to account, will really foster and enhance the levels of trust that citizens have, especially the youth, in the systems of governance that are in place. Chris, I'm going to push you a little bit here because uh, every time we talk to people about problems in South Africa, uh, the default word is often education, and no one is going to disagree with you in that front. But uh, that doesn't seem to be working, is that people espouse uh, education as the solution all the time, and I'm sure that pockets of it do happen, but yet nothing seems to change. So if you're going to ignite education as your tool to facilitating greater change, um, where do you start? How do you make it more compelling? How do you make it more effective? Indeed. And and I think here, Jeremy, it's not just education that we are, are really saying can empower citizens. We're saying it is knowledge about the systems of governance, how to hold their leaders to account, and how to create systems that are more transparent and in the interest of the citizen. We do this really, Jeremy, by empowering citizens with the tools and understanding of what their rights are with regards to holding these leaders to account. And it's not simply a process of speaking down to citizens and speaking down to people in a way uh, enhancing their civic virtue, but really empowering them with the knowledge on the institutions and systems that will empower them to hold these leaders or so-called leaders to account. But that is then up to a better education system, surely, and we have an education uh, construct in South Africa right now which is, uh, to all intents and purposes, broken. So where does that better education come from? Whose responsibility is it? Fair enough. I think it's 
organizations and institutions like Good Governance Africa, which we argue should ultimately empower citizens by providing them with the knowledge of their systems of governance, but more importantly, on the means through which they can hold their leaders to account and also reminding people continually about the power of their voice. So it's not just about the system of education that we see in our schools, and I agree with you. Uh, We've seen a a real decline in the quality of that education, but also I think uh, when we look at the education system, questions arise on whether it is fit for purpose and ultimately designed to assist these learners to hold their leaders to account. In many ways, our system of education, we could argue, is designed really to keep citizens in check and to make sure that they follow instructions and ultimately comply with so-called leaders. It seems to me, Chris Marleng, that a lot of the fixing in this country is being done without government, that uh, communities themselves have just taken it upon themselves uh, to do the very best that they can and look after themselves. We do have a very vibrant civil society sector in South Africa. So based on your experience then and the work that you're doing, what would your advice be to people who want to contribute to better governance, but not at a grand macro level, but within their own communities? What's the call to action? I think the call to action is what we've seen happening in many communities where local action ultimately leads to greater impact. And by local action, we see communities where people in their homes, in their suburbs, wherever they live, engage in community work, for example, like uh, participating in uh, neighborhood watches, making sure that they contribute towards the fixing of potholes on the road, but more importantly, engage in ways that foster greater community engagement and interaction. So I would say uh, to people at the local level to really find opportunities to serve their communities by engaging in these locally driven initiatives. Chris, I used the word uh, despondency uh, a little earlier. I used the word inertia. But um, do you think that there is a willing majority of people in this country who really do want to fix things? Or do you think that that pool of optimism is starting to diminish? One gets the sense that this despondency becomes much more felt by many, many more citizens as we experience the impacts of things like load shedding, unemployment, and the various malaise that uh, we have to face here in South Africa. However, you also get the sense that uh, the people of South Africa are resilient. The people of South Africa believe that there is a better future and that this future is ultimately in their hands. I think what's important for organizations like Good Governance Africa is to empower citizens with the means of not just being despondent, but being able to act and support initiatives that help communities to improve, but more importantly, that help the citizen to hold governments to account. And a lot of that is obviously predicated on leadership. And you've alluded to the fact that often our 
inability to fix things is predicated on the politics of people rather than the politics of policy and improvement, which suggests then that leaders need to change their attitude. They need to change their approach. We see it again in pockets, but it's not universal. What's the one quotient, do you think, that leaders need to do in order to uh, engage better with that uh, increasingly frustrated society where they can find a better lock? I think one of the key things here, uh, Jeremy, is trust. The only way that you can really create uh, a system that is uh, not only believed but trusted by the citizens to act in their interest is by leaders to demonstrate through this principle of servant leadership, ensuring that the governors themselves, those who would govern, are doing so in the interest of the citizens. I think increasingly what leads to a lot of despondency is that we've seen a corruption taking root and leaders who are really interested in uh, ensuring uh, that they benefit from the system uh, themselves at a personal level and those around them, their family and their friends. And this leads to uh, distrust and ultimately increased despondency. I think we need to see in this country increasingly more leaders who are really interested in service, who are really interested in ensuring that the improvements are in the interest of the people that they would govern. So, Chris Maruleng, Chief Executive Officer of Good Governance Africa, I want to congratulate you. You've just been given the job at the Ministry of Fixing Things. You're the new Minister of Fix, and uh, you've got a week to start your work. Where would you start? What are the first couple of things that you would do? You, you've, you've told us what the problems are. Now make it better for me. Well, Jeremy, one of the key things that I think I would do is really pay through a laser-like focus on fixing the energy crisis in this country. And I think ultimately one of the things that I would do is really bring more experts who are there in the private sector and in other places who can help us uh, begin to have a more systematic approach towards the way in which we address the energy crisis and ensuring that we can bring on board more private partners into uh, addressing this energy crisis. I think by doing that, what we're actually doing or succeed in doing is to ensure that the economy itself is sustained and that these negative impacts that we've experienced towards the economy that are caused by the energy crisis are ended with immediate effect. All right, fair enough. So that's a very good that's a very good starting point. How would you overcome the obstacles? Everything from vandalism to a recalcitrant Minister of Mineral and Energy Affairs who is not uh, the biggest advocate, for instance, of the just energy transition. You would have many obstacles in your way. How would you manage your way through that? Ultimately, one of the, the, the issues that I think would empower somebody who wants to address the energy crisis is really to ensure that they are given uh, the way with all and uh, that the, 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 the path uh, towards addressing this energy crisis is cleared. I think what, one of the things that has been surprising in, in the manner in which uh, the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy have addressed this is the fact that they seem uh, to be stuck around this 
old approach towards the, the generation of energy. And I think that we really need to bring them along. We need to encourage the minister uh, to understand the need for this just transition and ultimately uh, the need for renewables to come online and the private sector to be brought in and allowed uh, to participate in the energy sector. Or get a more forward-thinking energy minister. Wouldn't that be easier? <laughs> yeah, I guess that would be one approach, Jeremy. But, uh, you know, as uh, someone who understands the limitations of simply changing people at the top without addressing ultimately the, I think, the understanding of what needs to be done is ultimately not solving the problem, but really probably shifting chairs on the uh, deck chairs on the Titanic. Mr. Marilang, that was a very diplomatic answer. Now, you're not going to do this all by yourself. Who would you call in to help you? Why? I, as, as I indicated, Jeremy, I think the good thing about South Africa is that there seems to be a lot of will, particularly in the private sector, uh, to ensure that they can participate and act as partners for development in South Africa. And I think it's been this inability or the positioning of the private sector uh, by government as almost the enemy, which has really acted as an impediment towards unleashing and ensuring that the, the capacity that exists in the private sector can be better utilized towards positive change, positioning the private sector as a partner for development. Again, I would say that's a good answer, but the business community, as we know, is profit-driven, Chris, and it's often driven by self-interest. Would that not be an obstacle, maybe? I think there's an understanding, Jeremy, in the business community, in the private sector, that there can be no profits where the economy is shrinking and where ultimately the government acts as an impediment rather than an enabler of a greater economic growth. So increasingly, through concepts of shared value, we're seeing corporates with a more nuanced understanding of the role that they must play as good corporate citizens towards assisting in the development of our country. So I don't share this view that, you know, corporates are only driven uh, by an interest in super profits. I think there's an increasing understanding that it is through shared value that the economy and ultimately the private sector uh, can benefit. Chris, where do you derive your optimism? Because in the conversation so far, it seems as if you believe we can fix things. I do believe we can fix things. And this is because I, I believe in the strength of our institutions that have really stood as a bulwark from the attack that has been faced in many occasions on the state. And when I talk of these institutions, I talk of the judiciary, I talk of the vibrant media and vibrant civil society that have stood up uh, and uh, tried to hold leaders to account and enhance greater transparency. So, yes, I am encouraged. And I also believe in citizens of this country. And ultimately, that it is the citizens of this country, when empowered and understanding the power that they hold, that they can ultimately be the force for change that we want to see in our communities and in society. And I think that is an excellent place to end it. Chris Marleng, thank you very much indeed, Chief Executive Officer of Good Governance Africa. Thanks for listening to this Fix SA podcast. For more episodes posted every second Friday, go to moneyweb.co.za, the MoneyWeb app, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 
or follow MoneyWeb News on social media for more updates. MoneyWeb, your trusted source for business and investment insights.